0: Hey! This is JJ and Alex. I made a name for myself, I told you I won't be denied. As you wrap up your day, it's time to get your fix of the teams you live for and the sports you love. This is JJ and Alex. Presented by G2G Bars on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone.
1: What's up, everybody? Happy, what is today? Oh, the 7th. Happy February 7th, Jeremiah Jensen, across from me. He's the JJ portion of JJ and Alex. I'm Alex Kiery. Thanks for being with us today. Tons going on in the program. Tons to start off with. Tons to break. There's even some, uh, if somebody sends the big eyeball emoji on Twitter, you've basically broken news. Yes. I mean, that's the worst. When you abuse the eyeball emoji, if it's used too much, then we're in a bad spot. And if you start, because it's kind of a boy cried boy who cried wolf situation, JJ. But right off the bat here, the thing that caught our eye, and the eyeball emoji was one of them. I, I just want to make sure we get it out there. And again, this has nothing to do with anything except for just stringing us along, JJ. This has to just, this absolutely just strings us along. And it makes me sad because I feel like I'm going to get the rug pulled out from under me. That's a, my low sports fan self esteem here in the state of Utah will do this to me. But Kevin Weeks, uh, who is a broadcast analyst for ESPN for the NHL, he's on the NHL Network. Uh, he does he played hockey in the in the league for a long, long time. If you don't know who Kevin Weeks, is he's one of these guys that, I mean he's just he's always on ESPN or NHL Network talking hockey i uh, breaking everything down. He sent a tweet out today. It's got eyeball emoji, and then it's a screenshot of beautiful downtown Salt Lake City. That's it. That's the tweet. Do we just move on from there, JJ? Because I don't want to get myself. I think
2: Kevin, just while Could he be- was doing research, hearing all this buzz about Utah and the NHL, saw a picture of Utah for the first time and couldn't believe how beautiful wow, it was. Wow, amazing. Oh, that's that's the scenery is Nice.
1: He maybe he somebody asked in the in the comment section. Is that Quebec? <laughs> no, it is not. No, Denver, that is right? not <laughs> is that Denver? City. Don't you dare oh, confuse us with that's... Denver. That is that is a swipe He's going to be grumpy. The you rest know of the show, you Jeremy. know I have I'm sensitive about that. Denver is not a mountain city. It's a plains city. Yes. <laughs> so don't don't do this to me. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what this means. Do you think he just couldn't contain himself? Do you think there's like there's some information floating out there. That's the idea, right, JJ? Like, the reason that Kevin Weeks sends out a – I would say this is a picture from, what, 2007?
2: <laughs> like it's, not, it is, it's not recent. It's not super recent. Because you can see the temple. The temple is, and like, in – We know there's construction it's, going it's on in, downtown, It's
1: so. in the best shape it's been in decades, right, from that point.
2: There's a lot less buildings in the skyline in buildings, than are there's, currently.
1: I don't, in fact, yeah, now that I look at it, there's no there, – it's pre-City Creek.
2: Yes so this, this is, is an old photo
1: this is what he did a Google search <laughs> to find this is what I'm saying is like we're breaking down a freaking Twitter photo all right
2: all right that's where my head is What does it mean I what, think Kevin what does it I mean? think Kevin knows something because Kevin's not a troll and why would he post a picture of Salt Lake City and some eyeball emojis right now he he knows there's there's stuff going on okay we don't know what it is yet but I mean how much buzz have we been hearing yeah it's a lot. And, and, and the commissioner said handle. one thing, and then I'm reading all the stuff from all the writers that completely contradicts everything he's saying, <laughs> specifically about the coyotes. Uh, no. But just overall, this, the, the, it's just obvious something's up. Yeah. Why would, Ryan, why would, why would, why would Kevin Smith Weeks Entertainment that, Group, all oh, right, do what they did uh-huh. a week before the All Star break?
1: Thousand percent.
2: Everything that was discussed at the All Star break, and now Kevin Weeks. Just a few days after the All Star break, is posting this. Somebody who's is dialed into what's going on in the National Hockey League that anybody couldn't help you'll himself. Find.
1: Couldn't help himself. Nope.
2: And he of knows course, something.
1: You know what he's doing too. And again, you said he's not a troll, but he has now entered troll stratosphere because you're going to get all of Utah freaking out about this. Good. Right. So I don't know when people are like, "Hey, look at this picture that Kevin Weish has put out." All right. So there you go. There's the breaking news from right off the top. A guy who's connected to the hockey world tweeted out a picture of Salt Lake City, <laughs> a 12-year-old picture of downtown Salt Lake City, and it just has the eyeball emoji, and it says, Hockey X, Hockey Twitter. Those are the two hashtags that do that. All right, we'll keep our eye on it. I'm assuming by the end of the show we might know something.
2: <laughs> is, uh, that too, is that too we aggressive? Always, we always got that breaking news center. <laughs> That's why you listen to JJ and Alex uh, in the afternoon.
1: I, listen, I'm all in on the Utah Yeti. I saw the renderings by random people on Twitter. I'm all in. Give us a mythical creature, abominable snowman type guy. Now, it might be a problem with the Stanley Cup. Uh, You know, the Jazz just made that whole deal with Stanley, not the Stanley Cup. I mean, it makes sense in the NHL they would have a Stanley Cup, you know, type of a tie. But get the Yeti mug people involved. Get the Utah Yeti here. I'm all about it. All right. That's just to get that out of the way. We'll keep our eye on that one, like I said. I'm not I'm not holding out hope that we're going to find out anything in the even the near near future, but uh you know, who knows who knows what that means. Who knows if we're going to get a giant news dump before the end of the week. But uh we can only we can only pray, JJ, that on Friday at 4:58 when you and I are doing the program, there's going to be a a rendering online, there's going to be a statement from uh, Smith Entertainment Group. See, can you picture all this? Because we've been through this before.
2: Yeah. We've we've been
1: hit with the news dump on a Friday.
2: So I don't think that's one you dump on a Friday nah. at five o'clock. That's not that's not the time for that's that.
1: That's a Monday that's a this Monday is, nine A.M. press release.
2: A, <laughs> let the media know Sunday night that there's a presser on Monday morning. Yes. Type thing.
1: Embargoed. <laughs> yeah. Embargoed. Don't tell anybody about this, but we're meeting over in Draper at the old prison site, (laughs) right? All the the things that could happen. Okay, let's kick the show off. Our program is always brought to you by G2G Bars, all natural ingredients, no preservatives. The G2G Bar is perfect for anybody who needs a quick, tasty, and pre-show protein boost like I just got from the old G2G Bar. Uh, So let's kick off the program here. Let's get things going, and let's uh, start off with the cut, as we always do, right here.
0: It's time for the biggest story of the day. This is what made the cut with JJ and Alex on 975 the KSL Sports Zone.
1: Our program also brought to you by Trajan Wealth, your local trusted financial fiduciaries 801-899-7600 or their website trajanwealth.com. Uh, here we go. JJ the Jazz last night as I have the TV up and I've got the I've got BYU's basketball game up. I've got Utah State that I'm monitoring on my iPad. And then I have Los Jazz, okay? And Utah State and BYU both disappoint. <laughs> huge, huge disappointments. Rough night for college hoops in the state of Utah.
2: <laughs> Rough night.
1: And then the Utah Jazz are able to do what we were just hoping and praying was going to be the situation, that they put aside whatever things are going on inside the locker room that are Not in their control when it comes to the trade deadline, all that stuff. They get a big win over OKC. I know the big jazz news, of course, is the swirling rumors about the Simone Fontecchio trade to the Detroit Pistons for Kevin Knox and a second-round pick. And plus the draft rights to – help me out with this name. Gabriele Procida.
2: You got it. You nailed it.
1: Okay. It's not Procida? Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, so that – is a conversation we can have. But let's first dive into this game last night. Uh, this Jazz team needed this in a big way. And two your two latest home wins are over the Bucs and over the OKC Thunder. This is when we start to convince ourselves that maybe the team is starting to turn a corner. They're back to five hundred again. And yet at the same time, there's that thing looming that is the trade deadline. I don't know. I mean, Simone Fontecchio's name had been thrown out there a little bit, but not. I didn't see his name coming off the board this quickly. But before we get to it, the Jazz win last night, huge for this team, big time for this for this, uh, for this this Will Hardy group because they are showing up on nights that you're starting to see a little bit more consistency on. They're not just a one-off win. Uh, they aren't just, like, good at home sometimes. But this is an Oklahoma City Thunder team that's really darn good, and the Jazz beat them last night. Nice game. Nice game.
2: The Thunder are what their record says they are. They're great. And I think they're great. A lot faster than we thought they would be. And you saw how tough that was last night to get that win. The whole way. The Thunder were there the whole way. The Jazz trailed by as many as 12 points in this game. And were able to rally and come back. My takeaways from the win over the Thunder is I just continue to be so impressed with Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn is becoming or showing that he's the lottery pick that he was years ago. Uh, Injuries derailed his career. Um, Being in a bad situation, both in Minnesota and Chicago, I think derailed his career. And now he comes to the Utah Jazz, and Chris Dunn has had a chance to show that he is the player that he was evaluated to be when he was drafted. And man, is he good. The defense, he does a little bit of everything, right? So if you uh, pick up the box score last night, Alex, if you're there, I'm going to go through it a little bit, because I think this illustrates what he brings to the table is the things that he's able to do on the basketball court. And then I'll really focus in on what he really does well that makes him so valuable in the NBA today. But you look at his stats. 27 minutes. 8 points. 5 assists, 3 rebounds, 4 steals, 3 blocks.
1: Yeah, it was the 4 steals and the blocks that the everyone was defense, like defense, right?
2: So he's able to contribute on the offensive end when need be. He's a facilitator. Um 5 assists Think about how efficient of a player you are if you have five assists, and four steals and three blocks. You're you're making plays that help your team win on both ends of the floor, and Chris Dunn is doing that right now for the Utah Jazz. He's become such a valuable asset, and you know we're right at the trade deadline. And when it comes to talking about players, if you bring up Chris Dunn, I'm not saying wow. I'm a, I wonder if what his trade value would be, what what he could get for teams. I'm like. Do the Jazz like work out an extension with this guy? Because I, don't, I wouldn't want to let Chris Dunn go. And he's a tremendous value right now with his contract and what he's giving the Utah Jazz. And what a great story. Somebody who's been through it and grinded through it all and was humble enough to go to the G League and get better and wait for that opportunity. And I've heard a lot of people talking about this, and it's true. like Can you imagine Chris Dunn on those Jazz teams with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert? The perimeter defense that he provides that would have been a huge difference maker for those teams and it shows you the value that he has I really like him as a piece alongside Keontae George it gives you a big backcourt with the ability to make plays passing defense and you saw how well that Chris Dunn works with some of the bigs on this team Uh, him and Walker Kessler make a nice combination so I wanted to make sure as we break down this game and what happened last night that I get a chance to praise Chris Dunn for how great he's been and how much he deserves uh, to become a long-term part of this franchise. And if the Jazz don't see him as the long-term plans, well, that's unfortunate because some other team's going to get him and he's going to be great. But I hope it's in Utah because Chris Dunn has been a terrific story and he is a very valuable player in today's NBA.
1: Somebody who I didn't expect a lot out of this season and kind of – you know when the trade happened last year during the off season, i didn't i didn't know what to think about the john collins acquisition but his last few games 22 these are all his points 22 20 15 15 15 22 last night and it was the moments i think he had the the oop that he got and then also the and one that he had kind of at the at the very end of the first half i was like this guy He's been playing at a different level. We talked about him a, a few days ago. I think after that, uh, or uh, on Monday after the the win over the Bucks, is that he's doing the same thing. He was fifteen and ten the other night. And again, this is a guy who they're asking to do a lot. And I don't know what John Collins' future is at the Utah Jazz, but he's been really good the last handful of games. He's been, uh, I I think, like Chris Dunn for you. John Collins for me has been more and more of a surprise. I've I've come to like him. Game after game, it's like every time he shows up and kind of does his thing, I start to think, "Oh, but then there's that little part of you too that goes: Is he? Is, is this a? Is this a tryout for another market? Is this the possibility of him going? But I will tell you what goes on at an organization like the Jazz is: they get the best out of these guys, and it's better for everybody. The Jazz get somebody who's really good; their value goes up, and so the Jazz could use somebody like a, a John Collins for uh, for a trade piece. And I don't think that's going to happen. I think that they need. By the way, isn't it crazy too if if Simone Fontecchio gets traded, which is I mean all reports are indicating it's 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 done deal, and we'll talk to Locke, and I want to put him in a weird position because he's a Jazz employee and and he he can't talk about it, but like that's that guy was a starter and and they've had this weird starting lineup for the past month right where you go they've been working with this group past month and a half he's been part of that starting five and so what's an immediate impact of not having Simone Fontecchio. Uh, in that starting five and being that big piece of the of the defensive part you were talking about, the energy part, the character thing, the guy who goes out and just busts his butt. What's the immediate reaction to that and the immediate what is going to happen to this team without Simone Fontecchio?
2: Let me break down the deal, and I'll try to explain why I think the Jazz did this and it makes sense for them. Um, it makes sense for the Pistons because that team's really young and really bad. And I think that they want to add some more veteran pieces that can be parts. And Simone Fontecchio fits that. Now, Simone Fontecchio has an expiring contract. But he becomes a restricted free agent in the offseason, meaning that the team that has him on their roster has an opportunity to match whoever offers him money. So you want to have him. If you want to keep him long-term, it's to your advantage to have him on your roster right now. The Jazz made the decision that he wasn't going to be in their plans and the Pistons need some player like Fontecchio, and they want to have the edge in signing him. So the Pistons make that deal. They give up a second round pick, which is actually going to be the Washington Wizards' second round pick. Now, why is that significant? Because it's not going to be number 55 or whatever. Sure. And the Pistons already don't have their own pick in the second round, but this is going to be a pick that's probably in the 32 to 33 range in the upcoming draft. So all suddenly, the Jazz, who are going to convey their first round pick likely. To the, to the Oklahoma City Thunder, now get a early second-round pick that will act almost like, I I know it's not a first-round pick, <laughs> but it'll act almost like a late first-round pick where they don't have to have a guaranteed contract, but there's excellent value at that place in the draft. And they throw in Kevin Knox as part of that deal. The Jazz can take a flyer on Kevin Knox, whose contract also expires. They can see if he's a player like, or they might waive him. I have no idea. What
1: type of a player are they getting in Kevin Knox? Because – that's a yes, guy that's a that you, hard to say that's, it's, it's a guy that you see his name kicking around he you're former, like,
2: again here we go a former, former lottery for, pick yes. who's been in some weird situations where it didn't work out and maybe this is a chance to have have a look at him I, I don't know I, I have no idea what that means there what the real value here may be is the move is moving Simone Fontecchio, who earned a spot and deserved a spot in the starting lineup this now allows young players like Bryce Sensabaugh, Maybe Ochai Abaji goes back in the starting lineup and gets more minutes. Or Taylor Hendricks, although he's a four and not a three, right. gets more minutes in that rotation in that in that wing situation. Uh, I think this opens up some opportunities for those younger players to get a look uh, in the rotation at the NBA level instead of the G League.
1: There's an immediate impact that it has where a guy like Simone Fontecchio isn't on the plane anymore, yeah, right? yeah. That's the part that – because there's a part where you kind of go, I like that guy's – like, it was not like he ingratiated himself to the people of Utah for the short time he was here. It was like
2: Just wasn't here but, long he bu- enough. but he
1: busted his freaking tail.
2: I think fans enjoyed him. I and, and, and was think And think about
1: where he was at before. I mean, this is a guy who we saw coming in in the preseason and you're going, that eh, that might be as much as we see this dude, right? But Will Hardy goes, "No, nah, I know what we can get out of this cat. I know what Simone Fontecchio brings to the table." And he got the very 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 best out of him, I think. I think it surprised people. And there has to be that part of not just disrupting the locker room a little bit, which these trades always do, but there's also that energy that gets kind of – it gets, It takes a hit. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely takes a hit because that's why he came in the game. Guess what? He would go in the games and still only average like 25, 27 minutes a night, right? Yeah. There were guys getting more – there were two or three guys getting more minutes than him off the bench, right, for, the, for this team. So he obviously wasn't a guy who was coming in for all the minutes to eat up. What he did was he came in, this starting lineup – whether it be a, a superstition thing for Will Hardy or it was just kind of sticking. I mean, they, but I mean, this is, this is a team that, by the way, had that winning streak of what, seven games? Was it seven or eight that they had gone through? But over the last eight games before last night or before the Bucks win, rather, on Sunday, they were, they were only, they had lost six out of their last eight games. Yeah. So if you go, man, everything was going really well for this team, it has for the past two games, but, This team kind of had, I wouldn't say hit a wall, but certainly the thing that was working, all those, everything was going, and then they lost six out of their last eight before Sunday and last night. I like Simone Fontecchio. I like these moves, although I don't understand them in the moment, right? You just kind of go, all right, I get it. There's some money to be shifted around. That's what all these deals have to deal with, right? Money shifted around, picks that have to be shifted around, And uh, whether or not this is going to be the only thing that happens movement-wise for this Jazz team, I think it kind of indicates also that, I mean, that's a name that we did not talk about over the last couple of days.
2: This is a surprise. Right. I don't think Fontecchio was at the top of our list of guys that we thought were going to be moved. And Olenek is still a possibility. Absolutely. Jordan Clarkson is still a possibility. I think Colin Sexton's a long shot. I think the Jazz are more committed to him now than they they were two months ago. Uh, But Fontecchio was not who I thought they were going to trade, but I get the move. Makes sense. They weren't going to offer him a long-term deal. But what a great story. Simone Fontecchio coming here from Italy and grinding and waiting and, and persevering and finally getting the opportunity and making the most of it. Now, he's going to be in the NBA for quite some time because of the opportunity he got that he earned here to start and to show the rest of the league that he could play at this level.
1: Let's take a break. We'll come back. We have tons more to go. Of course, today is... Your historically important signing day for college uh, athletes into the football programs, Uh, there were some signings. There's some movement. But, of course, the big day now, J.J., is always in December. Uh, Nevertheless, some signings that happened just over the past little bit. BYU signing class is now complete. We're going to have Mitch Harper, who's going to join us. Uh, We'll also listen to an interesting tidbit from Kyle Whittingham, where he talked about, how moving to the Big 12 has already shifted what their recruiting base has looked like, and how that challenge is going to have to be answered, of course, by Kyle Whittingham and his staff. Tons to go right here. Stay with us. Mitch Harper is next. And then at four, at 4:30, uh, we've got Jay Hill, Bf, uh, BYU's defensive coordinator, going to join us as well. We've got tons going on. Lock at the five o'clock hour. So stay right here. 97.5 EKL Sports
0: Zone. You're locked into JJ and Alex with the insight and analysis on the teams you can't live without. Presented by G2G Bars. This is 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone.
1: Welcome back, everybody. It is 97.5, the Kissel Sports Zone. Alex Curie, Jeremiah Jensen, JJ and Alex on another afternoon right here with you. Uh, It is not what it used to be. The old, the uh, February signing day. Nonetheless, we still make Mitch Harper, our BYU insider, go to work and get some stuff done. And it's, that's exactly what he's been doing. So if you track anything that's going on, uh, BYU signing-wise, you've seen some announcements probably made out there on X and uh, who some of these players are here and there. Go to kslsports.com, uh, follow Mitch, read his byline. You'll get the up-to-date uh, situation there. Mitch Harper, what's up, Mitch? How you doing, man?
3: Good, guys. I I I've always enjoy signing day. It was uh, another uh, kind of eventful one, for again, for BYU.
1: Well, tell us why, and, and I know that we we say this, we basically talk about it over the last few years, how this has become a totally different beast now that everybody kind of hits the, the early signing period is the big one now. So on a day like today, what were some of the moves that uh, were made that that absolutely BYU fans should be dialed into?
3: The, the biggest additions were the two the Bay Area high school prospects, Naki Tuakoi and Sefa uh Both players out of Fremont uh, High School in the Oakland area two linebackers, are going to join Justin Enna's linebacker unit. They could eventually become, you know, defensive ends at some point in their BYU careers. But these were, you know, power conference commits. Aquila was committed to Arizona, and Tuioki was uh, committed to Stanford. And it's just more reinforcements to a BYU defense that uh, was near the bottom nationally in generating a pass rush and, and generating sacks. And Jay Hill, you know, Kelly Papinga, Justin Enna, Sione Puha, general guilford they've done a really good job of you know bolstering the personnel on this defense and those two guys were were significant additions for byu they had kind of strange recruitments where they went dark for a while and you're wondering where where they're going to end up actually signing and they end up going to byu
2: as a package deal and pretty big boom for for byu to to get them to close out this recruiting class of course transfer portal guy is also part of this class and they got a quarterback. It's no surprise. We've already talked about this at length, but Gary Bohannon officially part of this class, and you had a chance to talk to Gary. What did you learn about him today?
3: Yeah, I talked to Bohannon extensively, quite a bit, and you know, kind of getting his perspective on what he's uh, expecting out of this going into BYU, and and you know, he acknowledged with his shoulder injury that, as he put it, it, it there were times where he was considering retiring from football, up until November. Last year, so about three months ago, is when he really felt like there was a chance to come back uh, to playing college football and resuming his career. But he did note that at stretches, it was kind of like uh, a child learning how to walk again, <laughs> learning how to throw the football again. he for a while he couldn't pick up a ball, as he put it so uh, but he was really impressed with b y u and as he's noted. Uh, he wanted to get the opportunity. He told me that that NIL had no bearing. He wasn't worried about that. He just really wanted the chance to compete. And, you know, Kalani Satake today noted that, uh, you know, they're they're not giving anything to any quarterback. And I think that's the right move because you look at the two times in Kalani Satake's, uh, you know, tenure, maybe you could say there's three times it's happened, but Uh, You know, 2017-2023, those were the two seasons where there was no real debate at quarterback. It was Tanner Mangum in 17, it was 23, it was Keaton Slovis. Both those seasons uh, ended up in losing years. The other seasons, there's been, you know, maybe a manufactured quarterback battle. You know, the 2019, we all knew it was going to be Zach Wilson, but there was still that Hey, Jaron Hall looked pretty good in spring ball. You know, he's pushing Zach and same in 2016 when it was Taysom Hill and, and Tanner Mangum, the two years where there hasn't been a debate uh, where the two disaster years for Kalani. So they want competition. And I think that competition is going to center around Jake Retzlaff and Gary Bohannon in spring with everyone else, maybe just being a a distant third and in hopes of maybe them rising up the ladder and surprising people. But uh, you know, Bohannon saying all the right things and, And we'll see if he can uh, produce. But, yeah, I mean, that shoulder injury, that was a torn labrum on his throwing arm. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how he performs.
1: Mitch Harper joining us here on JJ and Alex as we get you through uh, what today happened for BYU. And uh, at about 4 o'clock, or I guess 4.30, we're going to get Jay Hill, BYU's defensive coordinator. Of course, a huge part of that recruiting. How has the recruiting changed now that we've gotten a year under the belt of this particular defensive staff, uh, obviously, you know Jay Hill is th- one of his calling cards is his ability to be able to to get guys to commit and to close out dudes. And so now that he has a year under his belt, how has Jay uh, affected the recruiting and what Kalani is now demanding of his coaches in terms of getting the best guys they can?
3: Well, they got the number one recruit in the state of Utah, and that hasn't happened in a while for b y u and I think that's a testament to to Jay Hill, you know getting volatile Satuala uh added to the mix that's that's a huge get he's going to come in as a free safety for b y u and I think he's someone that could very well play right away, even though they've got a you know pretty deep experienced safeties with all the injuries they had last year a lot of guys got snaps and you know they feel pretty good about the numbers but Satuala he's big time and you know you pair him up maybe with a Micah Harper at the strong safety position it's a pretty good one-two punch at the, at the safety spot but I thought it was refreshing from Kalani Satake today uh, in his press conference acknowledging that you know BYU can't just go for the guys that you know are, have to sell themselves to BYU. BYU's got to sell themselves. To recruit, I think for far too long, you know, the Bronco Mendenhall era and that stretches of the Kalani era, it's been, you know, you want guys that, you know, sell themselves to BYU. That just doesn't work in Power 5 football. It doesn't. I mean, yes, you want to have the kid that dreams of being at BYU because there's still value and there's still a spot for that kid to to perform and, you know, play at a high level at BYU. But you got to go in and and get a Satwala who, you know, Utah wanted badly, who a lot of programs – you know, in the Big Ten, the Big 12 wanted, and he's coming to BYU, and, you know, I think BYU's defensive additions, you know, Sonny Tuwala, he was someone I talked about with J.J. In, in December, and, you know, Washington, Kalen DeBoer and that staff, they really wanted him before they left obviously for Alabama, but you know, Sonny Tuell is a JUCO transfer defensive end who I think can make a you know push to, for you know playing time against Zay Banya at that edge rusher spot. You know, he had a lot of opportunities from Big Ten programs down the stretch run this December. It's it's about winning those battles because I think that if you can get kids on or you know these guys on the the campus at BYU, kind of show them the culture that Kalani's building. I think they they've done a pretty nice job at that, and I think but that's just been the challenge is actually. Getting them onto campus, I think the the Big Twelve piece, and also the selling uh, of of having the chance to have immediate playing time. Like I just look across the board in spring ball, and I don't see any position that you can say solidified. That guy is the number one. You know, maybe Tyler Batty, defensive end. Sure, he's probably going to be a guy. Uh, you know, Connor Pay. Is going to come back, Waylon LaPoile. But, I mean, aside from that, it has got to be competition across the board. And all these additions that they added, they're coming in with the thought process of, hey, they can go play right away on a schedule that you know, features games against Utah, uh, against Oklahoma State, against Kansas. That's pretty
2: exciting. I thought Falatau Satoala was the best overall player in this class and their best get. But I want to ask you, which player in this class, whether it's transfer portal or freshman, or maybe it's a return missionary that will have the most immediate impact for the program in 2024 on the field. I I do think it's Jack Kelly, the transfer from Weber state. I I think he's
3: a plug and play guy where you pair him up uh, in that linebacker unit with Ben Bywater. And I I really like the personnel that BYU is building up at the linebacker position. Remember last year at this time, you know, with, with Ben Bywater coming back from injury and it's the same story for him again, but uh, that last spring it was very thin because Thule was out, Bywater was out, and it was just a bunch of freshmen. Now it's you're bringing Bywater back. Is still going to work his way back from the shoulder. Jack Kelly steps in, and I think he's another one of those guys that could be, you know, linebacker, edge rusher type that BYU likes in this four three scheme with Jay Hill, and then you bring back Harrison Tagger who had some good snaps in relief. Of Ben Bywater last year, you bring back Sialia Serra. He's going to go into his sophomore year. Heralded kid, the former four-star recruit out at of View High School. Ace Kafusi was one of the real bright spots down the final stretch of the season last year. Linebacker is building up, and I think Jack Kelly's a kind of one of those those nice plug-and-play guys that really puts it over the top because they they lost a significant piece in, in AJ Vongphachan, who was kind of just the ultimate pro you know B he just went about his business did everything at a high level you know racked up 80 plus tackles for BYU that's what they need from Jack Kelly just kind of the consummate pro mature guy I think he brings that to BYU's linebacker unit with a group that already features Ben Bywater
1: Mitch Harper our BYU insider before we uh, let you go here that loss in Norman last night by uh, BYU uh, it was a tough one to watch that second half because it just seemed like there was no defense but Oklahoma just seemed to have BYU's number there uh, what does that do in terms of where this team is? I know that the AP poll sometimes doesn't really matter that much when it comes to like you know actual tournament bids, things like that. But uh, how does Mark Pope and his guys reset? Obviously Kansas State coming up, but uh, how do they how do they reset after a, a loss like that last night in Norman?
3: They did look pretty tired, I thought, and you know they they need to get healthy. This flu bug—it's just been going through this team where Richie Saunders dealt with it, Trevin Nell. Ali Khalifa, even at the end of the bench, a guy like Townsend Triple, the walk-on, he didn't make the trip last night. So they're, they're just pretty, uh, just sick. They've been battling illness, and you, for their sake, you hope they can get healthy in, in short order because there's some real winnable games you would think coming up on the schedule. But I think that loss kind of highlighted that you know sometimes it's nice to you know have a, a team where on any given night you know seven different guys could be the guy, but sometimes you need that just. Bona fide star to carry a game and BYU lacks that. And it showed last night when you look tired, it looks like it's been a long road trip. Uh, you know, th- that that's kind of what stood out to me. I, I think that it's not going to hurt BYU in, in terms of bracketology or things like that, but you, you do kind of, you know, BYU is in that spot now where if they want to get to a 500 record in big 12 play at nine and nine, You've got to protect the home court with five games remaining at home uh, because the road games, I don't care who they are, Oklahoma State all the way up to Kansas, the remaining games are going to be legacy members in the league that have been through you know, the gauntlet of this thing for decades. Uh, it'll be difficult to get any sort of road win. So home games become even bigger premium for BYU because as we know, with them being a team that doesn't play on Sundays, The quadrants are limited in that bracket, so you could drop a seed line or two, even though maybe your resume would say you should be a five seed. So uh, it was a a noteworthy loss, but BYU can definitely make up ground by protecting home court.
1: Mitch, we appreciate it, man. We're going to follow, of course, everything that goes on that you put out there on kslsports.com. We appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you again.
3: You bet, guys. Take care.
1: There you go. Mitch Mitch. Harper. Hans and Scotty on Monday are going to be noon to three at Jimmy's Flowers in Layton. You've got to figure it out uh, next week. Great time to do it. I've been into that store. It's beautiful. Get it set up for your Valentine's Day. Uh, but Hans and Scotty are going to be there. 2840 Hillfield Road uh, in Layton. Valentine's Day. you got to think flowers. When you think flowers, you got to think Jimmy's flowers. There you go. We'll come back. We've got tons more. Uh, hockey update? Does that mean we're going to hit the breaking news center for the second time today? Definitely. It's big. Oh, okay. Okay. Our producer just uh, yelled at us. we got to do this in 350. Let's go. Uh, some hockey news. We saw the tweet today by Kevin Weeks that just had the picture of Salt Lake City and an eyeball emoji. Hopefully, it's a little bit more substantive than that. But here's what we're going to do we're going to take a break. We'll come back. You can hear that next. Stay with us.
0: Bye. Love it. Wow. This is what you got. You're listening to JJ and Alex, presented by G2G Bars. Don't touch that guy! On 97.5 BKSL Sports. So.
1: All right everybody, welcome back. It is JJ and Alex 975 VKSL Sports Zone. Oh. Uh, why have I gotten sucked into this? I know it's our job to get sucked into possible breaking news. So, you know what? What do we call this? Uh, what do we call the the NHL <laughs> breaking The NHL news, news desk. Decks. The NHL the KSL. news desk. Oh. Uh, here we are. We've KSL suddenly got become... Sports
2: Zone NHL <laughs> News Desk. <laughs>
1: the NHL News Desk. Actual movement after the Kevin Weeks tweet. A uh, Elliot Friedman, who is a uh, he's a hockey journalist up in Canada. So look, that's all you need to know. But covers uh, hockey is an, a- an analyst for uh, TSN uh, among it among many others. But obviously, he's had his eye firmly on this thing, and and, and part of it is because JJ. Th- the Canadian cities that are vying for the possibility of another team maybe to come their way. Every city right now is trying to figure out a way and a path. And because expansion's not, we got hit in the gut with that one. Expansion's not on the table right now. And it won't be. Well, that may not matter. <laughs> it may not matter because, uh, as I'm starting to dig in more with this, this is the Jeff Merrick show that Elliot Friedman was on of, uh, Sportsnet Canada. And he did some digging here and, uh, Here's what he came up with because it it looks like the Coyotes are actually meeting as an ownership group coming up in the next couple of days here. You heard me right. And here's what he had to say about that possible meeting.
4: Well, there's a meeting tomorrow between – it's the Arizona Land Bureau, whatever it is, and they're the ones who are in Mm -hmm. charge of allowing auctions. And if people have been familiar with this Arizona situation – um, that one of the things that the coyotes have discussed and they claim they're looking at multiple things is the idea of buying a piece of land that would be up for auction. And what you have to do is there's a process. You have to apply to this Arizona land development board and uh, to say that you're interested in the auction and they can put it up there. Now their meeting is tomorrow The agenda is online. It has to be finalized 24 hours in advance. I called the clerk this morning. She told me that that whatever's online is the final agenda. There's nothing on there that screams coyotes on it. I've done enough of this stuff to know that if they wanted to do this in camera, away from prying eyes, they could. Like, put it this way doesn't sound promising. Now, I've learned over the years not to jump to conclusions with the Coyotes yeah. because, you know, yeah. deadlines become movable. If, indeed, there's going to be an announcement this weekend or sometime in the very near future, it doesn't seem to be good for the current ownership group. Now, I'll say this. We are coming to the end of the line for this ownership group. I believe if there isn't something hard and fast in place in the very near future, they will begin the process of either selling the team or the NHL taking over the team. It doesn't look great right now for this current ownership group is what I would say.
1: JJ, does not look good for this ownership group. Sounds phenomenal for a possible ownership group here in the state of Utah.
2: And now the commissioner had to put on a happy face. He had to do what he had to do as as a commissioner. Last All-Star week before weekend. the All-Star weekend, yes. But everybody else, all the journalists that were commenting and talking about everything, their opinions were completely the opposite, that this Coyote situation is not good. And there's really not a resolution to this. Even if they are to win this land auction, all the stuff they have to go through, they won't be able to build something there and have it operational in 10 years. So what are we doing here? It's very clear that this is not going to end very well for the Arizona Coyotes. And the NHL is going to need a new home for this franchise. So and- one
1: of one of the possibilities that was up there was they could force a sale, right? right. They could say, hey, it's time. You guys haven't shown what you're – and, like, we need franchises that are operating. And that's part of their agreement is they make it to where this can be a money-making venture for everybody involved. And once it's not – then you relinquish that control. The NHL could actually, they would begin the possibility of selling the team on their own, or the NHL would take over the team and start to sell it themselves, which is, I think, the better of the of the two situations. And
2: what what t- what owner out there is ready to buy and ready to go? Uh, when you Smith get Smith Entertainment Group, SEG in, in Utah.
1: So here's the thing: the Morellos are a disaster, and this is the part where he goes, "Look, it doesn't look good for this ownership group. It's definitely coming to an end." Like this, this is not this is the end of the line for these guys because they've had every possible situation that they've been able to. They've been given every opportunity. Gary Bettman even left the door kind of open the other day, where he goes, "I don't have any," uh, huh. and then he was like, "I don't know what I'm about to say here, but I know it's bad." I have all the reason in the world to trust what Alex Morello said. He would be saying it. He has no trust in in the situation whatsoever. Yeah. If the NHL takes over and then they sell it. That's where I think the quickest situation would get done. Because I think if you have kind of a grumpy ownership group and they drag their feet on a sale, and they start to kind of put themselves like, eh, they, they, they don't want to give it up anytime soon. So if the NHL takes over the team and then puts themselves in, you know, makes themselves responsible to sell it, I think that that relationship between Gary Bettman and Ryan Smith, you'll see the payoff. Maybe an announcement as early as this weekend.
2: You combine all this stuff with Kevin Weeks' tweet today, and I'm oh. thinking that we might have NHL hockey. I'm going to be saying A. In Delta Center for the 24 25 season. Look at you.
1: For next season.
2: Yeah. They got to play somewhere. It's not going to be back at Arizona State. Could you imagine that. The if, league's not going to do could this you for a year.
1: Could you imagine NHL hockey actually being played in Utah before. A temporary home for the A's maybe gets filled by uh by a local group here. Like that's how that's how quickly this could happen. Now I might be getting up I might be getting over my skis here. But I am a boat this close to saying a boat the rest of my life. You've
2: already you've already changed how I you're am, talking here. If you need an on ice you've analyst. You've already changed your, your your derelict.
1: I know how to do this. I played street hockey when it got popular there for a minute in the early nineties. Oh yeah, he you played I've a little seen street strange hockey. Strange Brew 38 times, oh. eh? All right, you're ready to go. I am I am All right, I'm not going to get ahead of, ahead of myself.
2: Yes, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. But there but might be an what NHL, other NHL announcement. choice. <laughs> does the National Hockey League have Wait right out. now? Because they cannot continue to let this drag out. And everybody that covers a league knows it. All right. This is great news. This is amazing news. NHL to Utah.
1: Gosh, and you got the – especially after yesterday with the, with the Las Vegas mayor being like, I think they should try to live their dream out in Oakland. That'd be fun for them. I'm going, come on. We need this. This might be the other thing we need. All right, we'll take a break here. Nominate your youth sports volunteer as the Hercules Hero of the Week. The way you do it, you submit a nomination, kslsports.com slash contest. Any amazing volunteer or worker in your local city, somebody who's gone the extra mile with the youth sports in your area – You can nominate them today. Give us a little write-up of what they have done that's awesome. We can highlight them. We'll read about them over the air. We'll read your entry over the air, and then they will win a $50 gift card courtesy of Hercules Credit Union. KSLSports.com slash contest. That's KSLSports.com slash contest. We'll come back. We've got some uh, Utah recruiting to talk. Not a lot of movement, at least on the Utah side of things, except for an interesting coaching move that's been made and what uh, Kyle Whittingham said yesterday about what the Big 12 recruiting looks like and how things have already changed for this Utah team as they transition out of the Pac 12 into the Big 12. Stay with us, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone.